Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you. For additional resources to inspire you in your journey with Christ, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Enjoy today's podcast. Please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8 as we continue our study in this beautiful chapter that I trust you're finding great encouragement in. I know Luke and I are as we spend time in preparation for this message. On the mountainsides in Japan, you can find markers like this one. This one happens to be 600 years old. It's engraved with a warning not to build homes lower than this elevation because tsunamis hit the coastline. And if people would build houses lower than this, they'd be in danger. They'd risk their lives. Well, through the years, with the growing level of sophistication about architecture and design and technology, people started dropping their guard. They started building homes below the warning markers. A tsunami hit on March 11th. Back in 2011, 20,000 people lost their lives, many of whom had built homes below this warning level. We know that life is filled with all kinds of tsunami-like things. Some of them come in the form of natural disasters. Some of them are tsunamis that hit our very lives. And so we know what, what grieving is about. We know what suffering, what, we know what pain is like in this fallen world, whether it comes to us by our, by our own rebellion against God or just because we live in this fallen world. And when those things hit us, it's Satan's opportunity to take us out, to cause us to question the goodness of God, the kindness of God, the love of God. We're tempted to cry out to him, where are you, God? And Satan wants us to, to crumble. He wants to leave our house in shambles, our spiritual houses in shambles. And he is there, the Holy Spirit is there to, to strengthen us and to be sure that that's not going to happen. God doesn't want us to be alone in all of this. Now, we've spoken a lot of words these few weeks. Uh, this particular, these particular verses we walked through already, the first 25 verses of Romans 8 contain 641 words. Luke and I together have preached 8,223 words. A lot of words come out of us, Luke more than me probably, but Understand that in spite of all these words, what happens is we can get all muddled. We can kind of forget what the main point is. We can get a lot of information coming at us. And this is basically the four things that I believe we need to hold on to above everything else we've said. These are the four things. The first one is there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Second, by Christ's blood, we've been adopted into God's family. Third, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And fourth, we have a hope. I hope that one day will become a reality. God wants us to hang on to that. Now, to help us hang on, he's given us a means by which we can keep our focus. And that is the ministry of prayer, coupled with the Holy Spirit's work in us. Here's what our couple of verses say today. In the same way, now let's stop there just a second. What's that mean? In the same way, in the same way, what? It's a, it's a phrase that's showing comparison. In the same way, what? In the same way that hope helps us live buoyantly 
above pain and suffering, so also God has given the Holy Spirit to be another source to help us be buoyant as well through the struggles of life. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Now, we've had groaning three times. Uh, last week in Luke's message, the earth groans. It has, it has all this pain and suffering. The, law of, the second law of thermodynamics is at work that tells us the whole earth is winding down and, and losing energy. Um, and someday an end will come to all this. The, the second groaning is of us. We groan, we long for that day of redemption where holistically, body, soul, and spirit, we will be with the Lord and no more pain and suffering, no, no more groaning. And then in our text, the Holy Spirit groans, wordlessly it says. Now this word groan in the Greek culture is associated with death. It's more of a death groan because it was used mostly uh, to convey the idea of, of people in the military who have been on the battlefield and they've been eyewitnesses to deep groaning because of fellow soldiers in combat or those lives that have been lost in combat even among the enemy. That's the groaning it's talking about. And we're acquainted with death groans in our culture here. And so Paul invites us here to take our groans and our struggles before the Lord and understand there's someone else groaning also. So let's consider prayer because this is primarily what he's talking about in our couple of verses. Now, statistics say that a high percentage of people pray, and that may be a gross examination. Uh, certainly, we've heard it said before, there are no atheists in foxholes. But to, to be in a relationship of prayer with God is more than just a 911 call made to him. It is, it is something he is seeking from us in this dear and deep communication that he wants to share with us. I think, I hope we have that understanding. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we read this verse. You receive the spirit of sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. And it's so true. Uh, our pain stirs the heart of God. It doesn't, it's not that he loves us more, just like with our own babies. I mean, you know, you know the distinction between different cries of a baby, whether it's a cry for attention, a cry because uh, there's hunger, a cry because they're just bored uh, or uncomfortable. And there's the pain cry. Our oldest, Justin, had colic when he was born. 11 hours one day, he cried all day. It was a bad day. I mean, we were crying, Abba, Father, by the end of that day, I, I assure you. And we have those times. The father hears those cries and he gets involved in those cries. The, the spirit goes to the father with wordless groans, but look at the context. What, he's not just taking our requests and making them sound better. That's not what it's saying. It says the spirit intercedes for us through wordless groans. Because, he's doing that because of our weakness. In other words, because Satan wants to move in and take us under in our suffering, the Holy Spirit has given us so that he can go to the Father and pray for what we really need, which is the strongest faith possible. He doesn't want us to cave in the midst of the suffering times we go through. So the Holy Spirit's ministry is this. The, the, the Spirit prays to the Father and asks for the things we would have asked for, if we knew what the Father knows. 
You get that? Please understand that. That the Spirit prays to the Father for the things we would have asked for if we, know, if we knew what He knows. We are finite. We are so limited. We are so small. We're the creation and He's the creator. And God always knows what is best even when we don't understand his movement. That's why it is so good to trust him and know that the power of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit is in us to deal with the things that matter most. Now, there's a couple of things that even support us in prayer beyond this. A couple of the resources. One is a pattern. We have the perfect pattern. We cry out to God. And Paul doesn't say, well, you're, you're a Christian in spite of your suffering. No, he says, how you suffer shows that you are a Christian. We suffer differently than other people. He says here earlier, we are children if indeed we share in his sufferings. How we suffer shows that we belong to him and trust him without conditions. Everyone suffers. But our pattern is Jesus Christ who came to this world. He got in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. He was rejected. He was despised. He was misquoted. He was misunderstood. He was, uh, he was unjustly tried and crucified. All of that. He is our pattern in that not, nothing went right for him. It seemed. But nevertheless, he never lost his grip. He never lost his purpose. He never, he never failed in his purpose at all. He continued to live his life through and through. Not my will, but yours be done. The Spirit is able to work within us to that degree that we can live in the same way. You know, uh, there are a lot of different philosophies in exercise science. And one is uh, you exercise to failure. A certain muscle or a muscle group. And if you do that, if you've ever done it, you know how lifeless and limp you feel at the end of that routine, of that set, whatever it is. Uh, and you feel like, man, I, I have nothing left in me. In fact, you are being made stronger, even though it doesn't feel that way. The same thing works in the suffering of our lives when we allow the Spirit to do what He is there to do. Romans 5, Paul writes this, We glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so that's the major truth. The major truth is we trust him. We, we die to self. You know, you think of an acorn. An acorn has the potential in it to cover the whole earth with a great forest. But it has to die and be put in the ground. That's the spiritual principle by which we live. We die to self. And when we do that, God works in us to bring forth a fruit that we could never produce on our own. Now, let me also give you a perspective. We have prayer. And to, and to do that well, we have to keep our pattern in view, which is Jesus, and have the right perspective. To have the right perspective, let me just simply outline it like this. Because the text says here, it says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. That's where we're headed. So here's two guys that are hired to work. This guy's put in a room. He, he, he's told you're going to do a menial task. It's, it's going to be a drudgery for you. It's going to be hard to get through every day, 80 hours a week. But at the end of the year, I'm going to give you $15,000. Puts the guy in the room. He says the same thing to the guy over here. Menial task, going to be a drudgery, 80 hours a week. Pour yourself at the end of your year. I'm going to give you $150 million. This guy over here, he doesn't make it a week. I mean, he bails. He knows this is not worth it. This guy over here, 
He's whistling a happy tune. Because he knows it's a drudgery, but he knows what's coming at the end. Friends, that's what we keep in mind. That's what Paul wants us to keep in mind. What's coming at the end of it all. He doesn't want us to lose our grip. Now, because prayer is so vital, I want us to just ask some basic questions. So I'm asking Luke to come up and join me right now. And we're going to just deal with some basic questions about prayer because people have a lot of questions. We can't nearly cover a lot of them, but we'll do a few perhaps that will encourage you in your prayer life. So hi, Luke. Hey. hey. We like to be together and uh, I'm glad he's here to help out today. And what we did this week is we texted a bunch of people and emailed people that we know just to say, hey, uh, what do you think? people struggle with with prayer and uh we got a lot of great questions didn't we mm-hmm, yeah and so we've just handpicked a few just to touch on and so uh so we're gonna we're gonna just start with a simple one uh, luke why do we pray anyway yeah, it's a great foundational question. And of course, the simple answer is because Jesus tells us to, yes, you right, know, right, which right. is a good enough motive to do anything. But Jesus doesn't just leave it there. He also modeled for us an incredible life of prayer that uh, Jesus even prayed for things like his food. And we see all throughout his ministry uh, when he's weary, when he's happy, when he has victory, when he's tempted, when he is tired, Jesus makes time to go be with God. And we see this over and over that prayer was the key for Jesus to have the spiritual power that he needed to live the life life that God was calling him to live. And the same is true for us, that prayer is less about changing God. It's more about changing us. It's intertwining our will and our minds and our desires with God's will and God's mind and God's desires. And in the same way that when you see a person who has a great tan, you think, man, that person has spent time in the presence of the sun. The the key to a life of spiritual vitality and power to becoming who God wants you to be is spending time in the presence of God. That's what Jesus yes, right. did. That's what we do too. Okay. Now, now with that, uh, a common question is well, why do we pray since God knows everything anyway? He knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. What, so what's the, what's the importance of prayer? Why should we pray about certain things? Absolutely. Well, again, prayer is less about changing God. It's more about changing right. us, getting us in line with his will. And I love what you said there, that God would always uh, give us what we ask for or something better, that he'd always give us uh, what we would ask for if we knew right. as much as he knows right. there. So. To say, though, that because God knows everything, we shouldn't pray for it is kind of silly. That's like saying, well, because God knows everything, I don't need to get a job or I don't need to go look for a spouse or go to the grocery store. We do it anyway to bring ourselves in line with his will. And all throughout scripture, we do see that prayer does change things. Uh, Genesis chapter 18, we see Abraham pleading for the people of Sodom. Exodus 32, Moses pleading for the people of Israel. And uh, we see the great promise, of course, in James chapter 5, that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We do believe that prayer changes things. And often what prayer changes is us. Right. And you know, also with that is um, foreknowledge is not the same as planning it, right? Yes. Just because yes. he knows what's coming doesn't mean he planned it to happen that absolutely. way. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, absolutely. It's just he's inviting us right. in to be part of his will, to link our hearts up with his. And Super. It's, it's a good thing. Super. So we, we did hear back though, this is a question we get from a lot of people, uh, people saying, well, it feels selfish to pray for myself. I pray for a lot of other yeah. people, but not for myself. What, what would you say to that? Well, yeah, I hear that a lot too from people. It sounds selfish to pray for our own prayers. And, and yet the Bible is filled with people who cry out to God. God invites us to pray. He even commands us to present your request before the Lord. And he gives us that peace that passes all understanding as we do that. He, uh, Jesus tells a couple of parables about uh, uh, keep on asking God and mm-hmm. don't give up. 
and of this persistence of prayer, he teaches us. Uh, the Lord himself, as you said, he, he models at going to the Lord, even for daily bread, which is your daily needs, whatever that is. In that model prayer, he wants us to do that. I get the idea, we think, that somehow we can be a burden to God. Or he's not big enough to handle all. There are bigger things to deal with. He doesn't have time to get me on his list when he's got that. And, and what we do, we, we make him, we shrink him. And, and we eliminate this, this intimacy that God wants with us. He wants to hear us and know us, right? Absolutely. And so it's modeled well in the scripture by Jesus, by other great faithful servants. We are told to, to bring a, present a request before the Lord and to not do that is to um, weaken an area that we should be growing in discipleship. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. One of the things that hinders a lot of people in prayer is they just don't know, is there a right way to do this, a wrong way to do this? What would you say? What does scripture teach about a right way to pray, a wrong way to pray? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I want to say, one thing I want to say is I think as Western thinkers, we are always evaluating, we are always grading, we are always measuring ourselves against other people and work. We're always being reviewed a school. We get grades. We're always doing something for performance or, or to be measured. And you know, God wants us to, to enjoy him, enjoy being in his presence. Uh, he's not evaluating our prayers. We relax about it, mm -hmm. you know, enjoy who he is. And just in every, any other kind of communication with our wives, with our good friends, with our boss, whoever it is, we're always learning communication skills, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That we're always improving. And in, 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 even though God takes us just as we are as we pray, we're always learning more about how to communicate better, how to, how to say things, how to verbalize things. Um, and I think we can learn that from, from just listening to other people pray. We can learn it by reading prayers that are available to us. We get great prayers available. Uh, you and I both have enjoyed the prayers of the Puritans mm -hmm, yeah. and that little book of Valley of Vision that just really blesses me in prayer. Um, there are websites to go to all about prayer that just help you and guide you through prayer. Yeah. Um, and I think just the practice of prayer. I mean, we won't get better at it without practicing. And the more we practice prayer, the better we are. I don't think it's about what, prayers God accepts and what's he rejects. It's just, let's learn to enjoy him mm -hmm. and just express ourselves, really. Absolutely. Okay. Um, also, uh, some people asked, what um, are, the, are, there, are there conditions for prayer? In other words, are there prerequisites for prayer or conversely, are there certain things that block prayers? Yeah. So obviously we don't want you to be worried about having the exact perfect words to approach God, right. but the Bible does teach there are some things to beware of when we pray. We don't want to pray from pride or just to have big fancy flowery words to impress yes. people. Um, obviously if you're praying for something that the Bible explicitly says is, is not God's will, that will that will yeah. hinder your prayer right. life. Um, and D James chapter one gives us another thing that hinders our prayer. Uh, James tells us that we need to pray in faith, that uh, when we come to God, we need to genuinely believe that he he can do what the, uh, he, Whatever he, he wants yeah, to. Yeah, what we're asking him to do. And if we don't believe that, that'll be a hindrance. Of course, one of the big ones is if you're praying to God while still harboring sin in your heart. Yeah. Uh, the psalmist says in Psalm 66 that if I cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened to me. First Peter 3 says, hey, husbands, uh, if you're not treating your wives right, then your, your prayers are going to be hindered. So, I mean, you know, for example, if you're praying for God to bless you and your girlfriend and yet you're sleeping together, or if you're praying for God to bless 
you financially, but you're not being generous right now. Or uh, if you are praying for strength and yet you're still living in secret sin, then we shouldn't expect for God to give us the fullness of his blessing if we're not willing to give him the fullness of our obedience. Great principle. I like that principle so much. Yeah. It's good. Um, so we have this kind of d- dual picture uh, of God. Of, he is the almighty, holy creator God, and we are approaching his throne room and we should do so with reverence. But he is also, like you said, our Abba and he yeah. is our father and he's a friend of sinners. So so how do we approach God? Is it with reverence? Is it with intimacy? What, what do we do? Yes. <laughs> Good answer. It's both. It's both. It's, uh, there is a tension that's always there between praying to Yahweh, the Almighty, and also sensing this, this um, real intimacy with him. I remember in college, uh, there was a guy named Crystal. We would pray in our classes, before classes, and Crystal was called on to pray that day. And she, she started, uh, hi, Daddy. And like the rest of us were like cringing inside, like, <laughs> ah. and I know she meant well. She was trying to express an intimacy with God, but I, I, I don't, I, I'm not comfortable with that. Y- you know what it's like, um, you know, intimacy is about transparency. It's about knowing and being known. That's what intimacy rests in. It, it's, 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 and you, don't, you never abuse that in a friendship, right? Mm-hmm. In a friendship. In fact, what builds a friendship is dearness to each other and being fully known, fully transparent. Mm-hmm. God has revealed himself to us, his heartbeat. And the more we're able to do that creates the intimacy. I still approach him with high regard and respect, but also with a sense that, I am very dear to him, and he showed, showed that by the cross. So I think both need to be intact. So he's not so revered that he's impersonal and distant, yet not so intimate that we lose sight of his, his, his position in the universe. Absolutely. Yeah, it's kind of, so it's kind of a blend of both. All right, you know, one person asked, um, and I appreciate this very honest, bold um, self-revealing question. He says, why don't I want to pray? And I'm just wondering how many people feel that deep within. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I've felt that before. I, sure. think, I think all of us have been through that in, in seasons. So I hope you know that there's grace for that. But if, if you feel that, the important thing is, as in any of area of our lives, if it's your work or your diet or your relationships with your spouse or something, that even when we don't feel it, we do it anyway, yes, right? And right. Our, our feelings tend to follow our actions. And yet, if you consistently don't feel a desire to pray, um, my guess is that it's probably one of two issues. It's probably either a, a faith problem or a form problem. And it could be a genuine faith problem. It could be a heart issue that you aren't actually convinced that prayer works because maybe you haven't really seen it work, or maybe you did pray for something and it happened, but you're wondering if it would have happened anyway, even if you didn't pray for it. And so instead of living by prayer, you tend to kind of quietly trust in money or time or your talent instead to get done what needs to be done. And you end up uh, tired and a little too busy because you're living like it's all up to you. When Jesus promises over and over that if we ask for things that are in line with God's will, God will give them to us. And James chapter four says, the reason you don't have is because you don't ask. And that if we actually had faith, that God was standing, listening at the ready to give us things according to his will, that no matter then how anxious or busy or bored or tired we were, if we really believe that, I think we would make the time to pray. So perhaps it could be an underlying faith issue, but maybe it's not. Maybe you have a genuine desire to pray, and yet in the moment you just 
maybe it's a form problem. Maybe you don't know how, you don't know how to schedule a prayer time, you don't know the right words to say, you don't even know where to start. And when you do start, instead of your prayer time being something that is joyful and life-giving, your mind begins to wander, you get distracted, and you just end up uh, discouraged and back at square one. So if that's you, I'd encourage you, please uh, come back every Wednesday at noon. We have weekday chat, and we're going to talk a lot more uh, explicitly about some of these questions we couldn't cover today and about more how to schedule your own prayer time uh, every week and every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, wherever you are in prayer, uh, we just want to do better all the time. You know, don't stop getting better and practicing it because prayer, uh, we all know what it is to get in a rut where prayer is anemic. It's uh, very predictable. And uh, there are different positions in prayer. There are different types of prayer. Uh, One thing that helps me a lot is just using the scripture as a guide. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let the scripture guide thoughts and stop after every phrase or every time you're prompted to pray for something that's in a verse about your life or in in the world that you're seeing something. And I I, I think you go to different places in the summer if you want to sit on the patio because you can be closer to creation and look around you and it's it's a fresh appearance. Do that. Whatever it takes... Uh, to keep it fresh and alive. God wants to hear from us. We get to talk to him. And that's the beautiful thing about God. He never gets tired of hearing us. You know, he never gets tired of just, of just uh, knowing us. This is, this is a relationship and we want to keep growing in it. Well, um, please know as we draw close today that um, you have two intercessors. You know that in the pain of your life, there are two intercessors. You have Jesus at the throne of God making intercession for you. And you have the Holy Spirit in your heart making intercession. Two members of the Godhead are before the third person of the Godhead pleading for you. What a huge resource that is. And this is able to take place because there was somebody who groaned for you and me. And Jesus Christ on the cross cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was quoting from Psalm 22, 1 that says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. Jesus groaned on the cross that day for us so that when we groan in this life, we can be assured the father is hearing us. That's why we never grow tired of the cross. We never grow tired of saying thank you. We never grow tired of remembering him. And we're pausing right now simply to say thank you, God, for sending Jesus to be our savior so that we can know him as Lord as well and take us to the life to come. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this one person, your one and only son, whose life was a groan because of those who rejected him, because of those who abused him, who lied about him, who disowned him, who misquoted him and misunderstood him. Not only that, but from the very cross, he groaned because he became sin for us. Thank you for his supreme sacrifice and the resulting gift we received by your spirit who is in us even now groans on our behalf that we might be made holy for your glory and for our redemption. Thank you for the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you for listening to the podcast today. It's our desire for you to grow in your understanding of Christ's love as you partner with us in our mission to love all people to new life in Christ. If you have any questions about our church or would like to plan a visit with us, go to plainfieldchristian.com. If you would like to receive our podcast every week, we encourage you to subscribe to the Plainfield Christian Church podcast on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Have a great week.